This podcast is brought to you by Central, helping schools work smart. Hello, I'm Colin Klupik, and you're listening to Central Station, where I talk with a diverse range of people committed to making a positive impact on education. You can subscribe to these interviews wherever you get your podcasts, and to keep in touch, you can join us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Music as a subject in schools is one of those subjects where you'd think you had plenty of opportunity to do creative and different things in the pursuit of improving teaching practice. And that's just what Brad Fuller is exploring in his PhD research on teaching music in secondary education. He's a music teacher at Northern Beaches Christian School in Sydney and a PhD candidate at Sydney University. He's come up with an interesting approach which you could almost consider as some kind of a tagline, which is, teach like you're a musician. It's led him to come up with various approaches which might at first seem a little, well, unconventional. But the feedback from students suggests that this is certainly worth exploring. When I asked him to explain the idea, the conversation started by considering the Ken Burns effect. Uh, Ken Burns, uh, we're doing a thing in our class, with our Year 7 classes at the moment, uh, called What Would Ken Burns Do? Uh, and you, you are a fan, I know, of Ken Burns's work, uh, the documentary filmmaker who is famous within iMovie for the Ken Burns effect. Yes, that's the first thing uh, I thought of, moving pictures. Yeah, so uh, we are teaching our Year 7s to make documentary films about music and we use the cat. We use the uh, letters WWKBD. What would Ken Burns do? <laughs> I like that. Yeah, uh, and uh, we have this. We have this thing called the People's Choice Awards, and the classes. Each one of the the groups of Year Sevens watch each other's documentary films, and uh, we have an award called the People's Choice. They vote for their favorite film. And they get a Moodle badge, which has the likeness of Ken Burns on it with the letters WWKBD question mark. And it's really beautiful. So actually, we've been we've we've been asking that question. What would Ken Burns do across all of our classes for a few years now? And it's really it's really beautiful when it when a kid says, yes, but what would Ken Burns do? <laughs> not would not. not uh what would my teacher do or not what's the right thing to do, but what would Ken Burns do? Yeah, and so I, uh, I, I introduced that anecdote because uh, we're always we're trying to think about best practice. And so Ken Burns is good enough at documentary filmmaking to get into iMovie as an effect. Uh, and so that's what we're encouraging our students to do, to look at uh, professional practice and emulate that or seek seek to attain that level and then because they're standing on the shoulders of giants uh, to propel humanity forward and move beyond even one day for them to have their own effect named after them in, <laughs> in iMovie. So is this a little bit like uh, instead, of, instead of teaching a student how to be a musician or teaching them what a musician is like, you, you're effectively just saying to them, become a musician or you are a musician, just be that. Yes, yeah. So, uh, so I, sh- I share that an- anecdote to give an illustration of the role of the teacher in the new world. And um, in fact, I was going to start talking about Sir Ken Robinson, uh, but Ken Burns will do. Uh, so I think anyone—I'm really interested in anyone called Ken <laughs> at, the, <laughs> at the moment. Uh, 
And so Ken Robinson had a great influence on both of us uh, some years ago when that video went viral Indeed. about uh, about moving out of the uh, the sausage factory of the industrial model of education. And for many of us, I think that uh, that was a really uh, important, a pivotal moment in in our lives. And ever since then. Uh, I, I guess all my life, I've never felt comfortable with the industrial model as a student nor as a teacher. So I've been seeking to find a way forward as a teacher uh, that isn't part of that sausage factory uh, industrial model, but uh, thinks about teaching in a, a new way, that idea of the facilitator. But it seems that we don't really have a solid model for the teacher in music education at the moment. Uh, and so from my reading, it seems that either you're comfortable with the textbooks and the, and the blackboard and, and that sort of thing, and, and maybe the uh, classical canon, uh, or you're not so comfortable with that, but you're not quite sure what to do. So that's been my, uh, the focus of my reading over the last little while. So when it comes to uh, performing some kind of research in that field, I mean, you're kind of hinting there at the uh, traditional approaches versus or as opposed to, I'm not saying versus, but as opposed to, maybe that's the same thing, um, some slightly more modern approaches. At some point, you're going to come across that whole idea of, well, Brad, what's your theoretical perspective? Now, when I hear things like that, I think, oh, okay, well, sure, that's a, that's a convention and that's something that someone's going to want me to uh, consider if I if I go down a research path. How do you respond to things like that when you are uh, considering something that you want to make very new or, or or take into into the future, as you say? Yeah, I think I've I've learned a great deal about the idea of othering. Uh, so othering, dichotomization, binary operate opposites, uh, zero sum games, all of these sorts of things that that are all about creating opposition and division and I think it's I, I'm moving away from all of that and trying to to use inclusive language that doesn't say the old way was bad and the new way is good or even that there is an old way and a new way but just trying to move away from splitting and othering and trying to look for ways that we can bring the best of everything together. So uh, I think in, in music education, there's been a great deal of chatter about uh, what's become to be known as formal versus informal music education. Uh, and so that they're the two, I, I guess, the two dominant theoretical standpoints at the, at the moment. Uh, but over the last 10 years or so, uh, there's been some really great work done on reconciling those those two dichotomies and actually saying uh, that the way forward is a combination of the formal and informal. So, so, uh, so if someone was to say to you, well, there's one perspective that says the ideal form of music teaching is out there and we just need to discover it, or someone comes along to you and says... Uh, well, actually, there are there are multiple ways of doing this, and we and they are they are constructed in the various contexts in contexts in which they exist. 
which side would you lean to or is, is, is what you're just trying to say to me then a, a case of, well, it's not really one or the other. Let's just move forward and see how we go. Yes, I think you're right. Let's let's move forward. Uh, and the see how we go part, I think, uh, speaks to the reflexivity and the reflectivity that we need from our educators. And I've been really excited and encouraged by the movement for action research uh, that situates uh, situates the, the teacher uh, right in the middle. Um, but but even more importantly, I I just I've done some reading on some some fantastic work about uh, co-researching uh, with your students, and there's some some wonderful studies where teachers and students have co-constructed a curriculum and then worked as co-researchers on an action research project to evaluate the curriculum that they co-constructed and the outcomes that they achieved. So I think that is a really exciting, that's, that's, that's where I want to be. That's the world I want to be in, uh, where teachers and learners are working out what they want to learn, how they're going to learn it, and what they can improve on for the next time, uh, which will help them, but then will leave a legacy for the next group of learners as well. Sounds uh, interesting in that when you think about normal teaching curriculum or normal teaching practice, when you, like if you want to boil it down to, say, the most basic uh, unit, which incidentally is called a unit of work, or you can call it a unit of work, at the end of every one of those, we're supposed to do some kind of evaluation anyway. And, uh, you know, there's... um, there's a lot of talk these days about involving students in that. So you get the student evaluation um, as well as the teacher evaluation, and that helps to improve practice. But what we're talking about here is is taking, kicking that up a notch and saying, well, if, if everyone's doing all this evaluation all the time, why can't we make this a little bit more, little bit more public rather than it just gets written in the back of the teacher's unit that they've just registered, to use those um, jargon type words, and then it goes into the lever arch folder and onto the shelf and never to be seen again. How do we get that message out once we've made the evaluation? Uh, well, I think the first step is to do do, do good work. Uh, and so, <laughs> yeah, well, that's always a great start. And then, you know, I think, I think when teachers do good work, uh, oftentimes the distribution takes care of itself. Uh, so I haven't really thought too far be- beyond just doing good work at the moment. Um, but, but I do think what you were saying there about the traditional way of the teacher evaluates the unit after the students provide feedback and the feedback generally goes, here's what you did right and wrong teacher. And the teacher thinks about what the students didn't learn or they didn't work hard enough for. That sort of stuff. That sort of thing. I think the dynamic of students and teachers working together as researchers of their own practice, I think, is just a much more dynamic uh, and inclusive environment. And I, I think the energy in that situation is is much more exciting for me. Because I think the the idea of research is, as we said before, to to move things forward or and to and to push into the future and to have some kind of a, a positive effect. Uh, I can imagine that in involving the students much more directly in that would have an incredibly positive effect for them as well. Have you seen any of that actually starting to happen in your own experience? Yeah, absolutely. I think 
when you move away from this notion of here's what I deem to be important uh, and I'm going to pour it into your empty vessels into <laughs> uh, in, into a new way of thinking about the teacher's role as creating an environment for students to thrive uh, and for them to get busy on doing something that's important to them and helping them to discover what's important to them and then facilitating growth in whatever that happens to be. Uh, I think that's a much more interesting and then growing with them. So this, uh, this notion of thinking about teachers and students uh, being able to, to come into a, a space and improve together, I think that's, that's where I want to be. So when you when you say teach like a musician, let's move from the from the students now to back to the teachers. When you then stand in amongst a group of teachers, and you're talking about uh, better ways to to do music education, if I can put it that crudely, yes. When when you say when you would when you say to someone, let's think about teaching like a musician. Do you get weird responses from people? Or do they look at you and go, well, "What do you mean?" I th- I think they they did, but I think. I think we're moving towards, well, it always depends which population you're talking about, doesn't it? But uh, there's there's been enough, I think, there's been enough like information in the community, in the teaching music teaching community about uh, informal music teaching that I think people are interested. And so the message, though, has has tended to be. Uh, moving from a hands-on approach to teaching where you're showing people how to do things to a hands-off approach where you're letting the students work it out for themselves. And that's been a problem because teachers are uncomfortable not doing anything. <laughs> well, they always, so have, I, they always feel that they have to be busying themselves with doing something in order to be seen to be doing their jobs. That's right. And so in the last several years... Uh, I, there seems to be a great deal of energy and thought put into what's the middle space between show them everything or tell them everything to just let them loose uh, and to, to find to find a ground uh, a middle ground where the, the teacher uh, is part of the process I guess um, and that might not nest, and that that looks quite different, I think, to a traditional classroom, and it also looks quite different to, uh, I, I guess, a pure informal model where the teacher really does try to to stand back. So, I think the the way forward that I'm really excited and interested about is thinking about when the when the teacher gets involved and how the teacher gets involved, uh, and I think I think we already have the model. Uh, in the music community, and that uh, musicians already share information, and so I guess the thing I'm interested in is is how musicians in practice share information, and what what is that, how does that look? And and I think if we come into the classroom thinking that we have to take off our musician shirt or hat, take off our musician hat and put on our teacher hat, I think that's where the problem begins. Let's come back to that group of teachers that we thought we were talking about just a second ago. Let's just imagine mm-hmm. we're in that in that room again. Do you ever find that, uh, or do you ever get the sense that some teachers might be standing there saying, well, 
what if I'm not a musician? I'm a music teacher. How, how do they? How do you? How would you respond to someone who feels that they're more the teacher than the musician? Yes, I think. Then I think there's some some really great work being done about how popular musicians learn, but we kind of have a gap in the literature about how popular musicians teach, and so uh, I think that's that's how I want to help those people because I think that's a really great point uh, because not all of us come to teaching from a practitioner, a music practitioner foundation. Uh, so that yes, they're those they're the people I'd like to, uh, that I'd like to help, uh, as well as myself. I'd l- I feel like uh, we need we need some language about teaching in uh, this classroom. That's a mixture of formal informal. So that's I think that's wide open. Now you are a, a music practitioner, so you certainly have that background. So when when someone back in that room of teachers might say to you, well, Brad, I'm not really sure what that all means. Can you help me out here? What what does that mean to you personally? As in, from your experience, both as a practitioner and your experience as an educator, how do you then see yourself and uh, conceptualize yourself as a musician who is teaching? So musicians, uh, and I think we've talked about this in previous sessions, uh, but, but uh, my colleague Peter Orenstein and I, base everything we do around it around the catchphrase it's all about the gig so that's i guess that's the beginning of the musician's mindset that that we can bring to our teaching so our students aren't learning for some distant future our students have an opportunity to share their music regularly and we call that opportunity a gig and so that gig it provides a propulsive force and so uh, I've been thinking a great deal about uh, flow and propulsion and some great metaphors about streams and liquid and all of that sort of thing. Uh, and so I've been thinking a great deal about the primary, I think, primary role of, of the teacher moving forward is this notion of providing these propulsive opportunities. And that's what I think a gig is. It provides that initial impetus that gets a student moving. And then, uh, and I think that's a really important thing to design really interesting uh, gigs for our students. Then, I think once we have that propulsive force in our classroom, then the teacher's job is to nudge. And so I've been thinking a great deal about that. And then, uh, that what does a nudge look like? So it's very different, I think, to all right, everybody sit quietly. And I'm going to tell you something that may or may not be interesting or useful for you where you're at versus you're moving towards something and maybe you hit a barrier or maybe you've gone off course and you need an intervention for, from your teacher. And I think so those two things, one, being expert in planning learning journeys and having authentic outcomes uh, and then being able to design interventions uh, where required. I think they're two uh, important areas for research. So when you think about gig-based learning and your students expressing their, their talents or, their, or their, what they've learned through the gig, and I guess on one level I'm sorry to use this word, but is, is that also a form of assessment that you then use? 
It could be, yes. Uh, and I had a great conversation with some students in year 11 yesterday, and they were saying uh, that now that they're in year 11, we're requiring them to actually formally submit work. And they're just finding that very strange because they were just used to having really great experiences. And then every once in a while, they'd get a really great mark on a report card that was sent home to their parents. Uh, but they didn't really notice that part. <laughs> Which I guess is why I kind of apologized for having to use the word assessment, because at some point we're going to need to figure out how effective we've been. And and if you want to sort of break down the word to assess, well, you at some point you have to assess how effective you've been. But then changing the intonation of the word into an assessment, if you like, for, for want of a better expression, that kind of changes the whole vibe of it, don't you think? Yes, it does. But uh, another thing that I think uh, needs needs some thought and some discussion in the literature is something that we do here uh, where we we say to students, we're training you to be HSC markers. And so rather than me tell you how you went, I want to, I want you to tell me how you went. Uh, and so we do a great deal of modeling and preparing and uh, helping students to understand how to assess themselves. Uh, so that when a student, because I think it's really important as a and so again, uh, musicians tend not in practice tend not to be assessed uh, by rubrics and such. Uh, you're assessed by bums on seats. <laughs> Album sales, downloads. <laughs> yeah, rounds of applause, numbers of encores, uh, those sorts of things. And, it's very, and, and these days, uh, post something on YouTube and uh, read the comments if you dare. So the number of thumbs up and thumbs down. So it's a jungle out there uh, in the marketplace. And so how and, – and if we think about something like uh, those reality shows where you, you go on and, and you make yourself very vulnerable in front of potentially a, a, a quite a large number of people watching you on television uh, and then somebody tells you whether you're good enough to be on television or not. So these are dangerous times, I think. Uh, and they always have been. And so I think what's really important uh, is for an, and another role for a musician, a teacher who teaches like a musician is to think the way musicians think about uh, assessment, which is uh, to be able to assess yourself. So we might actually come back to your uh, concept about uh, gig-based learning in a little bit more detail in a future conversation. Great to talk with you, Brad. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. You've been listening to Central Station. For more information about Brad Fuller and the music program that he's running over there at Northern Beaches Christian School, head on over to their website. That's nbcs.nsw.edu.au. And for more information about all of our guests and interview transcripts, head on over to central.com.au slash podcast. I'm Colin Klupik. Until next time, bye for now. Bye for now.